The theme for the evening talk is direction in life. <clears throat> uh, firstly, today I was looking at the sheets which you kindly filled in for the retreat here together, and in the as a uh, Shada organised the retreats into the various. Uh, uh, groups, and one of the uh, points of information which you, we request when you fill in the retreat is uh, a year of year of birth. So, for your uh, small piece of information, um, there are I think ninety something people uh, on the retreat, and nineteen people were born before July the 4th, uh, 1954. <coughs> and you may have had the thought today, well, uh, you know um, who those 19 people are uh, <laughs> there. But um, um, sometimes, I have to say, um, it's not uh, entirely uh, obvious. And therefore, there are some people, especially on the first day of the retreat, who are walking around on the retreat, they genuinely look that they are 50, but in fact they're 32. <laughs> and these are usually the people who fall into the category of the overstressed, overworked, and overpaid, and find that that's not a fulfilling way of living in this world, and then turn up at IMS which they had read in the magazine or in a book and thought it meant I'm a mess category. <laughs> so in uh, uh, coming into the retreat, though there are numbers and figures and uh, things which have been uh, uh, referred to, whether we're 20 or 60 or whatever uh, it might be, there's also, of course, uh, one's uh, uh, direction uh, in life and what the response that we feel or think or reflect upon in ourselves when the thought of where are we going with our life, what are we doing with our life, what is the direction uh, of our life. And of course, in all of that, the, there are immensely influential uh, social forces, we might say, which impact upon us day by day by day, which are telling us with uh, relentless consistency what we ought to be doing with our life or what we should be doing or what really matters. And the impact of all of this influences our thought, our feelings, our moods, our perceptions of ourself, of what, is, what uh, matters. And if we have bought with unquestioning obedience this, uh, these uh, forces, we easily internalize it and we live out as much as we can with all the successes and failures that go with it. We, we, we live out the expectations that are made upon us from outside, internalized and lived out 
we might put it to try to live with it comfortably into the language of personal choice, but sometimes it leaves it questionable, particularly when there's crisis, particularly when there's despair, when there is anxiety, when there is disappointment, when there are dreaded feelings of uh, failure or helplessness or hopelessness. And any thoughtful person would ask herself or himself, why would I choose that experience? Why would I choose to be in despair or to be unhappy or feeling a failure or not getting anywhere or whatever it might be? So the movements of minds, outer minds, other people's minds, and our inner ones sometimes kind of collude together and, as I say, with sometimes unquestioning obedience, we follow a particular route and it reflects in our thinking morning, noon and night and we say, can we stop and just take a second look? And we might say that there are perhaps three, maybe several, but certainly three primary areas in everyday social life which keep impacting upon us, which, upon which our well-being can completely depend, completely depend on it working out well. The first, obvious, is relationship. Being in a relationship. Being in a relationship with uh, another or uh, others. I'm not just speaking and referring to intimate relationship. I'm talking about being in relationship. And how much feeling, thought, projection, hopes and fears in life revolve around relationship. Second major area which we get impacted upon us, which affect us in, uh, incredibly as well and all too easily, is around the world of work. How much time, energy, thought, that sacred word of the Western paradise, career, my career. The, especially in, in, in this country, which your poor cousins on the other side of the Atlantic are trying to imitate, and that um, is um, going into debt. Entering into a field of study, ending up, as some of you will be already, as you know, in extraordinary debt, in the pursuit of a career, and therefore ended up, perhaps for many years, in, in what in uh, Asian terms would be called bonded labourer to the corporate world. And it's tragically a number of people who are trapped in that situation for, for, for years. We have people who weep on retreats, so the, the pressure on them on trying to um, pay off the... Uh, the, these, these debts. Bonded labour, as I call it. Others sometimes it may, not, may be very lucky not to be in that kind of position. Uh, perhaps the majority of you. But how easily one's work and one's uh, uh, career and being successful in it, moving up through the hierarchy that uh, goes uh, with it. 
the movement and the priority of increasing uh, uh, income. The um, benefits of those who are experiencing something of this um, um, economic boom. It won't, it won't last. Never deceive yourself into thinking it will last. And, uh, and all the, the benefits of free money that uh, may uh, come from, from all, all, all of that. All work, career, and money. How much time, energy, thought, views, opinions, priorities, energy goes into it. And the third, of course, is place of living. Another old favourite which recycles itself around the mind morning, noon and night. And therefore the comparing that takes place. Others who have more things. Therefore more things to break down, more things to clean, more things to worry about getting stolen, but they've got more things. And one doesn't, why doesn't one envy their worry? Why doesn't one, one that they've got so much more, now they have to have dogs and barbed wire. And, and why, why can't I live a, a prisoner of opulence? <laughs> so, mind gets into these three areas. Relationship, work and money, possessions, property, etc. And the whole dynamic, whole of it sometimes, of the inner life, can be so narrowly, and pathetically I would say, but certainly narrowly, focused on those three areas, as though that's it. That's the triple gem of existence. That is the sunum bonum of uh, life. That's all that matters. There's nothing outside of that except having a decent uh, relationship in which there are not too many cups and saucers flying around the kitchen at each other. Having a, having a job which is making loads of money, doesn't matter at whose expense. And the third one is having um, 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 a nice home and then increasing the size of it because one's got now so much furniture in it, one has to keep moving to get the space for it. And, that's it. and do we ever stop? Do we ever stop and say, is that it? Is that all that life can offer? That really, there's nothing else really that matters outside of, the, outside of that. That's it. Bottom line, everything else is small change, secondary, not my concern. This is what my interest is, what my focus is, and this is what my life is, and this is its direction, period. Well, apart from death, obviously going to make a nonsense of all of it. And uh, therefore, as the tradition has said, rather um, roughly and grossly at times, it's well worthwhile having a little reflection um, on death because it can just help to uh, sober us up in terms of our uh, eccentricity of uh, pursuing of more, more and more again. But even without death, even if we say, look, we're going to go on for ever and ever and ever. Still, 
Don't we feel that if our thought and our feeling and our conversations and our reading and our priorities, so much in these three areas with little time for anything else, don't we sense or feeling there's something incredibly limited about it? Don't we feel there's something restricted about it and unfulfilled? Sometimes it's, it's good to read magazines like um, People magazine. I saw this magazine on an aeroplane. And, um, and there are a, a, um, a few, a few uh, uh, others. The gossip magazines, or, or, or whatever. In um, Britain they call it the gutter press, I think. And the Sun newspaper in Britain, as one reporter said, yes, we're the gutter press, but at least we're the cream of the gutter press. <laughs> And, uh, and some even kind of go a, little, go a little bit deeper than that, and they say, no, we're not the gutter press, we are the sewer press, and we're really down there in the pits. So one reads these, and all the exaggerations, etc., that goes on. The point I'm trying to make in, in uh, all of this, in the world of so-called success, so-called success, how come there seems to be a litany of suffering? How come there's so much drug abuse, alcoholism, fear and mistrust between families, unhappiness, despair, suicides, attempted suicides? How come that those, a percentage of them, a significant percentage of, of, of them, have relationships, have work and career and money, and all that goes with it, and have sometimes more than one home. God knows why, but anyway, etc. And yet, something in the life is still utterly unfulfilled and incomplete. And no amount of energizing those three areas seems to make a difference. And how is it that the mind when stuck in any one of those, or all three, or two out of three, or, or whatever, seems unable to develop as a human being. That the same problems and the same issues keep renewing themselves. Something is askew. Something is off. Something's not right somewhere. Not surprisingly, people will possibly look, look, for, look for other things. Um, I was in uh, London a few uh, weeks ago, and a friend of mine uh, said to me, one of these popular uh, industries these days, said to me, Christopher, come to a place called the Barbican. I thought it was a place where barbarians went, and <laughs> I might have been right. And and at the Barbican, there's a huge gym. I've never been in a place like it in my entire life. I thought I'd arrived at Mars. There were, must have been 100 to 200 people on bicycles going nowhere. <laughs> and I thought, if this is not the supreme metaphor, and... Uh, <laughs> 
and the sweat's pouring off them. And some, uh, some reading the, uh, 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 the Observer, which is even more ironic because there's obviously little observing going on. And others were watching uh, television and the sweat is pouring off these, off these uh, 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 people. I, I went to the jacuzzi. And, uh, and there's a whole world of working off the stress. And I'm not people want to go to the, the gym and uh, etc. Fine, even though it's 500 pound per year in this particular gym to, to go, it seemed an awful lot of money. But in all of that, there's a kind of accumulations going on. Pressure, tension, stress. Build-up is going on in the body, in, in, in the mind. And naturally a person feels difficult and painful uh, with it. So there's this great rush at 5.30 in the afternoon. In, there wasn't a free bicycle in this place. And people were standing around waiting for the last poor sod to get off the bicycle <laughs> so one could get on and go through the same treadmill. Or rats in laboratories could never compete with this. Something is going on. And then it's back to the following day and, and etc. Some others may take the form of uh, religion, which is traditionally has you know, offered, offered an alternative. It genuinely can be uh, an alternative. But sometimes that alternative which it offers, for some people, requires a tremendous amount of belief. Some areas of belief which are too much for the mind to feel comfortable with. The God who loves us, who permits all this obscenity of suffering on this earth. The, the, the book which seems to be rooted in, in history and, and thoughts and ideas which are, uh, are in some other period and don't seem especially relevant to our uh, particular uh, time. The centralised guru... Uh, a uh, figure who seems to be very aware and insightful in uh, some areas and other areas um, uh, seemingly not or whatever. So sometimes in, in the, the world of uh, religion well, there's genuinely doubts and concerns that one has and therefore one doesn't feel one could commit oneself to that. And I think very, very understandably and thus this endless tug-of-war taking place and friction between secular culture, which is relationships, which is work and money, um, and which is uh, ownership and property, between the high values of secular culture and the high values of religion, and sometimes some effort to have the best, so to speak, of both worlds. Where, where, where are we in all, all, all of this that's going on in your and, and, and my life. What, did, what would it mean to, to generate some stepping back from it? And that's where awareness comes in. That is where awareness comes in. And it's not in any way saying that awareness is some um, brilliant uh, answer to uh, any of this. But can and is it possible for us with all these pressures 
from within and from without, in the language of choice, that's me. Can we just possibly just create enough awareness to have a little bit of space around areas which we can be stuck with through the whole of one's existence, right even when death is knocking on the door? The mind can still be obsessing about these three areas. Still doesn't have any sense of anything else or know of anything else other than that. And teachings are pointing to something other than that in which those areas fit into. Not negated, not rejected, not dismissed, but into some other way of being. But you have to find out through your experience. You have to find out through your insight. You have to find out through awareness. Not easy. So sometimes, it is once in the old texts, one of the practitioners at the time of the Buddha, not an unusual story, and it's a statement which one hears with regularity. The person was engaged in practices much similar as we hear, presence, silence, awareness, meditation, staying in touch as hard and as tough as it might be. And the person said, was there, no, he was asked, why are you doing this? And there was an expectation upon him, not unusual again, to continue, this is in India, in the profession of the parents. So the family, a business family, and there was an expectation that the son, in this case, would continue the family line. Not an unusual uh, pressure as well. Still plenty of this going on. Some of you may well know it. And he stepped out of that. The parents came to uh, see him and they said, well, why aren't you doing, following up with the family, the family business? And he said, I have seen what this is. I have seen what it means to be identified and to, com to be to committed to that. And I have seen what it leads to. And because I've seen what it is, because I've seen what it means to be fully committed to sustaining the family business, and because I see what it leads to, then he said, and therefore I don't wish to live like that. Not easy thing to say to one's parents. I don't wish to live like that. And some people say, say that, or feel it and don't say it because they're rather polite. And yet, it's one thing, it's so easy in life to say, I don't want to wish to follow the herd. I don't want to spend my life pursuing you know, career in terms of its self, self, self-interest mode. I don't want to be just obsessed with making money or pleasing my parents or whatever. It's easy to say I don't want to be, I don't want to. 
But what's the alternative? What's the alternative? And if we don't bring awareness to life, if we don't explore, if we don't take time to study to look, how can we have any sense of any, any alternative? We'll be propelled along by social forces which eat up existence. Literally eat it up. Tearing it to pieces, this mode of living. So it becomes a, a, a small but rather radical statement to stop, to be still, just as you and I are during the day here, and to, to actually almost start again. Actually to be a rather beginner to existence. And start afresh. In the small groups today, I, we all had uh, two uh, small, small groups and uh, a number of you in the small groups were uh, quite new to meditation and uh, new to retreats and uh, others of you are in the, uh, the golden oldie category uh, having sat three month retreats here at IMS and uh, in other uh, parts of the world so for some say oh, there, there's some uh, track record uh, here and others of you, as I say, are quite uh, new uh, to all, all of this. But in a way, the personal history can be supportive or beneficial or, or whatever. But more importantly, is the bare experience of today. And in the bare experience of today, you might ask ourselves. When I just look back over today, from the time I started the day, from the wake-up to this, what's stood out for me? Out of all the itsy-bitsies of uh, events and so forth that have gone on through the day, what's stood out? Anything's been standing out? And that could be one has just become aware today of how little one is alive and how much one is in a pseudo-reality called fantasizing, daydreams, spaced out, drifting, chattering, noise in the mind going on. Pseudo-reality. Much of the time, the mind is not in the world, not connected. How much it lives in this bubble of stuff going on. And as some of you say, come in, good intentions. I've come. What have I come to? IMS. I've come here to meditate. I don't know what meditation is heard about it, but something about being present and being aware and being conscious and being connected, uh, etc. Probably the most simple meditation, simple instruction that could be available to anybody. And the mind almost says, I choose to meditate. I choose to be present. The mind doesn't take any notice. 
It's utterly uncooperative. It's one's own mind. Nobody else is saying to your mind, please daydream all day. Please let your imaginations, please start worrying about what you've got to do next week or, 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 or whatever. As one person said, I've got so much to do and it starts the second after the retreat finishes. I mean, it's not long, is it? <laughs> so, even though one says, oh, I choose to be present, I choose to be here and now, I choose to be uh, with the breath, yet the mind on something so basic and elementary, so, so simple, so utterly uncomplicated, totally disregards the choice. It seems to actively wish to subvert it. And one finds one's part of the way through uh, the meditation, and the only thought that one has is, when will it be finished? One didn't choose to have the thought at the beginning of the sitting, what well, one might have done, but come the last period of it, that's the greatest wish on earth. Never mind about relationships, money, career, <laughs> and anything else. All I want in life is for this that bell, that wretched damn <laughs> bell to ring. So this is what we're referring to outside of those three things. <laughs> Ring the bell, it's the great liberator. So the, the mind itself, in the moment of things, states one thing, which is its intention, which is its so-called choice, which is its determination, and actually the experiences of something totally different. What does it tell us about the mind? Your mind. Your mind? What does it tell us about the mind? Where thought and action, thought and decision, thought and intention and result don't seem to bear any relationship. And we're just talking a 45 minute period. Some people understandably in the plight of such inner circumstances, regard it as a miracle to experience two consecutive breaths. That rabbi from Galilee walking on the water is nothing to someone who experiences three consecutive breaths. So sometimes people haven't even found their nose yet and we're at the end of the first day. Mind. Mind is moving. Thoughts, images, daydreams, fantasies. Whole world of so-called myself. Is it any wonder the mind in its condition like that has so much difficulty in dealing with the so-called real world? How can it, if it's living like this? And all that you and I have done today is to stop, is to be still and say, oh, good Lord, look at it. This is the instrument to deal with existence. It's the only one that one's got. 
and it's not even here to deal with it. It's totally out to lunch. And if it's not out to lunch, it's looking forward to it. <laughs> so the instrument, in the course of these pressures, external and internal, has become so utterly unsuitable for living wisely, living clearly, living in an enlightened way. Because that's all we've got is the mind. Heart, feelings, thoughts, presence, consciousness. Oh, that's all we got. Nothing else. And it's a rather tragic situation of life that that which is the most important to us, more important to us than bodily life, if the mind is all right, we can look after the events of the body is that which is so much neglected. So little real, genuine time is given in life to looking at that which most matters, and that is the quality of our inner life. Hardly in our culture, hardly, or any other culture, the resources, the ways, the practices, the approach, the attitude, the teachings, to point to mind is chief, mind is the forerunner, mind is primary. If the mind is all right, from heart to head, the mind is all right, things are all right. If the mind's not all right, nothing is all right. Terrible situation to have to live in in life under so much pressure with a mind which is not ready for it. And therefore we get thrown backwards and forwards between periods of pleasure and periods of pain, periods of so-called success and periods of failure, periods of gain, periods of loss, and our poor old mind is hanging on the end of it all. Periods of health, periods of sickness, and according to those events, and the mind is up and down, forwards and backwards, hanging on to the events of circumstances. Thus, once again, one comes back to a fundamental question, what matters, what makes the steadiness and that direction in life? And that's part of what we're here to explore and to, to find out, to acknowledge the importance of the inner life in relationship to everything. Because it has to filter, it has to come through the inner life. So it may have been a rather rough and uh, cruel day today. Sometimes, first uh, uh, kind of awareness in all of these things is for all the love of control that we have in our culture, how little real control there is. And therefore our sitting and walking and standing meditations are a real confirmation of it. We live with the truth and the tr truth that the mind is all over the shop is truth. The truth. So in that, we still keep faith with presence with here and now, with one step at a time, with one breath uh, at, a, at a time, and perhaps, and sometimes in a leap, 
not through a, a long, slow, gradual process, but sometimes in a leap, something begins to respond well and deeply for oneself, and one sees the wisdom of awareness through one's experience, the wisdom of being centred and grounded, the wisdom of being clear about what the mind is doing and just seeing that this is just what the mind is doing and not giving it any ultimate significance. So that a wisdom can come in dealing with life because we have an inner life which has wisdom with it, which becomes wise about the way of things. And as one person said in, this, in, the, in, in, the, in the small group, she said, paraphrase a little bit here, she said, I notice when I haven't got pain and I'm more comfortable, what happens is that my mind tends to be wandering and drifting a bit more. But when I've got some pain, my knees hurt or my back hurts or whatever, with the pain I, I am more present, but I'm not really quite, quite sure which is, you know, which is better. You know, understandable question. So I said, as I would, go for the latter. That is, take the pain. If it's going to help you be present, it's worth living with a bit of pain. And sometimes, it's unfortunate, but nevertheless, sometimes sitting and uh, being in pain, uh, uh, the two go together. It's not a holiday camp. But if one's patient, and as with the days of the instructions, We'll be speaking a lot more about dealing with pain and dealing with discomfort, uh, etc. That there can be a sense of being anchored and centered and present and one which, uh, in which the body is at peace with itself as well. So, in that, maybe, when we think of direction, we might say, we might think, well, the direction in my life is already uh, set, you know, through one's work or relationship or home life or, or whatever. And it, it, it might be. But there's also the aspect as well, equally, maybe more important, that is inner direction. So sometimes in that, in direction in life, we change the outer circumstances. And some of you will have to. And therefore come out of the category, as I said at the beginning of the talk, of being in the category of the overstressed, overworked, overpaid group. And, and sometimes that needs to be attended to. But sometimes it's the, the sense of those things having a, a place in life, but there's a certain inner direction which can be nourished and cultivated which has profound significance, not only for one's own existence, not only for others, but for the very fate of the planet itself. And if we get a sense of that direction, beautiful things can come out of the heart. Beautiful things can come for, for living beings and for the, earth, for the earth itself. Something else can be discovered which lets the importance of relationship and work and home fall into place. But one knows through one's being, through one's life, through one's style of living, that those things 
are not the centerpiece of existence. They are features of it. Therefore, we stop, we are still, we are silent, we meditate, we bring awareness to existence, we are patient. And then we see what opens up for us. And as I say, not only for oneself, but for others near and far, for the earth itself, fresh directions can come. The current generalized one is doomed. It's doomed. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings live with heartfulness. May all beings live an enlightened life. So let's have a minute or two quiet period together, please. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.